Chapter 33 Rachel We hit the tree line, me and Axe. In my front claws, I held a small, oblong white tube. According to Axe, a nuclear explosive. Let me just say this. Carrying around a nuclear weapon? That'll make you nervous. I looked back, and I saw what was about to happen. Three very big Rexes, Jake, Marco, and Cassie, were running. Head forward, tail back, running like roadrunners. A Deinonychus was in the mouth of one of the Tyrannosaurus, and two spacecraft were practically above them. It would be a point-blank slaughter now. The situation is hopeless, Axe said. What do you mean, hopeless? I demanded. I am speaking with the Makora, he explained. I remembered him saying something earlier about that, but it was irrelevant to me. I'm going back for them, I said. Don't be foolish, Rachel. All you would do is give the Nesk another target. Exactly, I agreed grimly. Maybe if they're shooting at me, one of the others will get away. I started back out into the open. I heard Axe come lumbering behind me. The pyramid fired. Jake cried. He fell forward, half a dinosaur. Demorph! I screamed. The pyramid ship turned at a leisurely pace, hovering directly above the writhing, thrashing, helpless monster who was Jake. At point-blank range, the Nesk Pyramid ship fired. No! Cassie screamed. The blast was blinding, but when the flash cleared, Jake was still there. An electric glow illuminated a sort of invisible shell around him. Force field! Axe said. The Makora! Then we saw the two Makora ships, exactly like flying saucers. One was just above the pyramid ship. It had projected the force field to protect Jake. The Nesk pyramid fighter saw it now too. It fired. At the same instant, the Makora fired. The twin explosions were almost simultaneous. The pyramid ship and the Makora saucer both blew apart. I thought I saw a big Makora claw go spinning away into the darkness. The remaining Makora saucer hovered above Jake and the others. The remaining Nesk ship seemed to hesitate. And while it did, Jake and the others began to demorph. They're going to try and take us all aboard, Axe said. We should demorph. They don't have room for these bodies. I began to demorph, but it was an agonizing wait while the Nesk considered whether to attack or retreat. The saucer hovered. The Nesk hovered. Stand off. Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Tobias all demorphed. Axe and I stepped out from the trees, out in plain view. The Nesk were looking at humans for only the second time, and they were seeing an Endolite for the first time ever. What do you think they're going to make of you? I asked Axe. Perhaps they will think that the Makora have acquired powerful new allies, Axe said. As if the Nesk had heard him, their ship suddenly veered off and retreated to the wreckage of the base. I laughed. Guess you were right, Axe. Looks like the Nesk have had enough. Modern age or Cretaceous, no one can beat the team of human and Andalite.
The Makora saucer picked us up, us and our little nuke. But they were a grim, depressed bunch of aliens. It was hard to tell at first, but then I noticed that each of them was minus one of their smaller legs. They were just oozing stumps. What happened to your legs? I asked. But even as the words were out of my mouth, I saw the limbs in the corner. They were laid out on a brightly colored cloth, which was draped over a shelf. There was something ceremonial about it, almost religious. Can you explain the meaning of this? Axe asked politely. We must make the sacrifice of pain. The legs will regenerate, but those we honor will not. The Makora pilot said. This is a symbol. It speaks to our spirit's pain by echoing it in physical pain. They did this for the Makora who are in the other ship? Jake asked. For those in both ships, the pilot said. To be killed is a sadness. To kill is a sin. You'd fit right in with these guys, Cassie, Marco said. Cassie ignored him. Our legs and arms do not regenerate, she said to the Makora. The pilot responded. Then you must barrel the pan inside. Yes, Cassie said. I will. Thanks for saving us. We're sorry about the Makora on that other ship, Jake said. We owe you. We owe you big. I don't know if that concept means anything to you, but we owe you. That goes for all of us, I added. Anything we can ever do for you. I mean, until we get back to our own time. Anything. Don't make promises you can't keep, Rachel, Tobias said in a thought-speak whisper only I could hear. It will only make it worse later. I looked at him for an explanation, but the eyes of a hawk give nothing away. Chapter 34 Tobias Flying beneath the force field was a strange experience. Plenty of heat radiated up from the Mercora town and the fields around it, so there were stunning thermals. But the force field created a sort of glass ceiling above me that I could not hit without risking another busted wing. A weird experience. But it was good to be flying again. And I felt like I had a sort of mission. I felt someone should see this Makora settlement. Someone should see all that would be lost. And remember. It was amazing, really. The universe had so many secrets. Who would have guessed that so long before the humans and the Andalites and Yurks would even appear on the screen to play out their own life-and-death struggle? There had been an earlier war for Earth. Through the slight distortion of the force field, I could see the pteranodons in their cliffside nests. I wondered how they hunted and what they caught in this strange situation. But who could tell? Like all living things, they were doing their best to adapt. They were looking to eat without being eaten. Same as my life as a hawk. The same old cycle. Life trying to stay alive by any means it could find. Life trying to survive the enemies of disease, hunger, fire, flood, and all the animals who were bigger and badder. I felt the warm wind fill my wings. I turned and circled upward till I could see the entire valley and feel the force field just inches above me. Somehow, the Mercora had figured out how to let the rising air pass through the field. They were a smart, advanced, and decent race. I hoped somewhere out there in the galaxy, there were other Mercora colonies. Down below, down on what could almost be a street, 
I saw my friends talking to some excited Mercora. I spilled air and began to dive. Sometimes there's nothing more relaxing than a hurtling dive through the air. I perched on a landed vehicle that was parked near the others. What's up? I asked. The Nesk are leaving, Cassie cried happily. The Makora say the Nesk have left Earth. Their orbital ships came down and removed everything from the base. Looks like the good guys won, Rachel said. I think the Nesk saw the Makora had some new friends. Some serious, butt-kicking new friends. She laughed, mocking her own bravado. Yeah, guess so, huh? I said. The Makora celebrated their victory that afternoon and into the evening. They celebrated by plowing up another hundred acres at the edge of the colony and planting seeds. The others and I went to the rooms they'd set aside for us. We ate the food they'd provided and rested on the shaped force fields that passed for furniture. Night fell, and through the window, the comet seemed to fill the sky. I perched where I could watch it. So, okay, now we have to figure out where and when to use this nuke, Jake said. The Makora have agreed to let us use their computers, Axe said. With their help, I can probably recreate the theory behind Sario Rips, and then come up with an accurate plan. Jake nodded. Good. Great. Take your time, Axe. Do it right. Yeah, why rush? We have all the broccoli we could possibly need, Marco said, making a face of utter disgust. I watched the night deepen. I watched the head of the comet. And then, I saw it. A stab of flame that shot from the side of the bright white comet head. Blue flame, at a right angle to the trajectory of the comet. I felt my heart skip a beat. The Makora noticed it too. From the street outside, there came a wailing siren. What's that? Marco asked. Sounds like the cops. Jake shrugged. Who knows but the Makora? There's some strange aliens. Maybe it's Makora music. Several minutes later, two Makora came bursting into the room. Their eyes were fluttering open and shut at an alarming rate. Their two weak-looking hands were waving wildly. Vanast, they cannot accept their defeat. They have decided if they cannot have this planet, then neither can we. What do you mean? Cassie asked. They have diverted the comet. The comet is now on a trajectory for impact on this planet. Here on this very settlement, in little more than a day, the comet will strike. We can't let this happen, Cassie said. You can't just give up. Is there some way you can, I don't know, push it the other way? The Makora responded. Even our most powerful force field could not move the comet. There is only one chance. The explosive device you took from the nest. We could use our lost ship, carry it to the comet, and explode the device. It might fragment the comet's head. However... They don't want to ask us for the nuke, Jake said. That's carrying politeness a long way, Marco said. If it was me, I'd be like, hand that over, pal. If we give up the nuke, we have no way home, Rachel pointed out. We have no choice, Cassie said. Are the six of us more important than this entire settlement? Are we supposed to condemn them to death just because we want to get home again? Wait a minute, are you serious? Marco demanded. We're going to give up our only ticket out of here? 
I don't think so. Ox, if this comet hits, how much damage will it do? Jake asked. But Axe couldn't answer. He was distracted by what I was telling him in private thought speak. Distracted by what I was asking him to do. To the Makora, I said, Please give us a couple of minutes to consider. Come back then. They left. I met Axe's gaze. He was looking at me with his two main eyes. His stock eyes were staring down at the small but devastating weapon he now held in his hands. Chapter 35 Cassie The Makora went away, and when they came back, we gave them the nuke. I was surprised by the final vote. It was 4-2, to two, with Rachel and Marco against. I guess Jake felt he owed his life to the Makora, same as I felt. But I was surprised by the quiet way Tobias and Axe went along. Neither of them said anything, just voted with Jake and me. The Makora took the weapon and raced to the remaining saucer. I watched it from the window as it began to power up. We need to get out of here, Tobias said, speaking at last. Why? We have to be far, far from here when that comet hits. What do you mean, when it hits? I demanded. The Makora think this will work. They think they can break it into small chunks and it will burn up entering the atmosphere. Tobias stared at me with his cold, hawk eyes. The nuke won't explode. Axe fixed it so it'll be a dud. And he fixed it so the Makora won't know till it's too late. I just stared. We all did. Wait a minute. Marco said. If we're not using it, we better hope the Makora can. Hey, genius, we're down here too. That comet hits us, and we get pounded five miles down through solid rock. That's gonna hurt. No time to explain now. Tobias said. Everyone morphed to birds. We need to haul out of here in a couple of minutes. Tobias, what have you done? I demanded. I did what had to be done, alright? Tobias yelled in a blaze of sudden anger. I did what had to be done. I made the call so that none of you would have to feel bad about it. You need to explain this right now, Jake said in the low, silky voice he uses when he's really mad. Start morphing or I'll explain nothing, Tobias said. Just do it. Rachel started morphing her eagle morph. Jake hesitated, but there was a force to Tobias I had never heard before. Jake began to morph. Then Marco. Axe. What could I do? I had to go along. I had to morph. It's the crustaceous age, Tobias explained. Late crustaceous. The last age of dinosaurs. So? I demanded while I still had a human mouth. So what do you think happened to them all, Cassie? Dinosaurs ruled the Earth for 140 million years. You've all seen how weak and helpless we are in this age. You've seen how the only mammals are tiny rats, small enough to avoid attracting the attention of the big dinosaurs. So how do you think the dinosaurs fell and the mammals rose? They... They evolved. I said. Yeah, they evolved. But evolution got a great big helping hand. See, about 65 million years ago, around now, something, they don't know if it was an asteroid or a comet, but something hit Earth. Very hard. Hard enough to fill the atmosphere with dust, 
block the sun, and bring on a colder climate. And that's how the dinosaurs died. You don't know it's this comet? I cried. You don't know? Yes, I do, he said. No one in our time ever found a Makora fossil, which means they never prospered, never populated the planet, never grew beyond this one handful, this one settlement. This is the comet. This is the time. Today is the end of the Makora. And today, today is the end of the dinosaurs. I wanted to tell him he was wrong, but I knew he wasn't. I wanted to cry, but I had become an osprey. Birds don't cry. It was monstrous, horrible, inevitable. We're going to let these people, these Makora, we're going to let them die, I asked. I'm surprised you, of all people, don't understand, Cassie, Tobias said. It's about more than these Makora. The entire planet will be changed today. A million species will begin to die. A few weeks or months, or maybe even years from now, the last Tyrannosaurus is going to die. And because of that, other creatures will begin to evolve, including... Us, I said. Homo sapiens, who could never have evolved unless the dinosaurs had died out. So that comet has to hit, Rachel said. Yes, that comet has to hit, I said. I hated saying it. I hated thinking that the brave little settlement of Makora was going to be destroyed. But this was destined to be the day of annihilation, and I'd known from the start we couldn't change history. All of this had already happened, 65 million years before I was born. Axe said, They will have to drop the force field when their ship takes off. We will need to be in the air, ready to slip out. He was right. Tobias was right. I knew it. But it made me sick inside. And I wasn't the only one. You know, these guys saved us. Saved me. Jake said. I don't like this, running off like this. Maybe we could warn them. Maybe they could get away, get off the planet. They lack the ships. Axe said. Their struggle with the Nesk has left them with only that one ship. Besides... What if they found a way to survive? We would have altered history in a very large way. This stinks, Jake said bitterly. I don't run out on people who have saved my life. You have no choice, Jake, Tobias said. The ship is almost ready to launch, Axe said. He'd been keeping watch with his stock eyes. Now or never, Tobias said. Now, Marco said. Yes, Axe agreed. No choice, Rachel said, sounding more conflicted than I would have expected. Yeah, Jake said. It's really not up to us to rewrite history. I wanted to laugh. We acted like we were making a decision, but Tobias had already made the hard decision. The comet would not be stopped. The only question now was, would we run away and try to live? We knew the answer to that. Thanks, Tobias, I said. I don't know if he thought I was being sincere or sarcastic. I wasn't sure myself. I opened my wings and flew.
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, we are here. This is the penultimate episode of Megamorphs number two. After this, we just have two more chapters and an epilogue, and we'll be done. So thank you everyone for sticking with me, and uh, we'll be through this soon. Also, these end-of-show notes are going to be a little longer this time, because we got some messages. Uh, the first one is the return of Tumblr user Ubik, who has written back in and said, In episode 121, you ask which is our favorite, uh, which is our favorite Animorph. I'm terrible at settling on one favorite. I like Cassie, Rachel, and Marco the best. Marco has a very similar outlook to the world as I do. Nothing in life should be taken so seriously as to not be able to joke about it, though some things need some time to age properly towards humor. Cassie is smart and thoughtful, and Rachel's just one big F you to the idea that girls should be weak, or pretend to be weak, to make boys happy. Yes, I was told this as a child in the 90s. Rachel's re- sorry, Rachel's response would probably be much like my own. Screw that crap. Outlift everyone. Then Rachel would morph into a bear and break all the walls. Uh, thank you for writing in, Ubik. Uh, love to hear about people's favorite Animorphs and, and, and why they identify to, to each Animorph. Uh, I also do like Marco a lot. I see a lot of myself in Marco in the way he uh, kind of compulsively needs to be the funny guy in order to, to deal. Uh, I also really, really like Cassie. Um, I really like uh, that she's the kind of moral center of the group, but that doesn't always mean that she's right or not conflicted um and speaking of going to book 19 is a lot about that we we see hints of it here um and hints of it um a little before this with the uh the uh fenestre book uh cassie is on a bit of a spiral that kind of climaxes in book 19 where she really has to confront what her morals are and how she can square that with uh fighting in a war but i i really uh admire the characterization of Cassie and and um I'm not a pacifist but I I think she does pacifism in in a way that if I were a pacifist I'd agree with which is that she's uh quite literally willing to lay her life down to protect others um versus you know fighting for for others and enacting violence um, if you're going to be a pacifist, um, I, in my opinion, that's, that, that is the way you have to be willing to literally put your body, uh, in front of that danger, uh, for others. Anything short of that is, uh, cowardice in my opinion. <laughs> that's just me. Um, Rachel's great too. Rachel's a little, um, I mean, I'm not a girl, so I don't quite necessarily strongly identify with the, the strong female character type of butt kicking thing. It's, doesn't mean much to me. She's a cool character. Um, and then Ubik actually wrote in again a little later saying, Oh, hey, episode 158, you're talking about your taxon voice, which you made some very valiant attempts at. Pretty good, too. Ever considering doing a, ever consider doing a taxon voice contest? Could be fun to hear everyone's trying to speak taxon. Uh, that would be, I had not thought of that, and thank you for thinking my taxon voice was okay. Um, again, I just short, sort of, uh, gripped it and ripped it and hoped for the best. I'm glad that it wasn't a mess. <laughs> um, hey, if anyone wants to send me in their take on a taxon, or 
Uh, I don't know if the audiobooks, the official ones, have gotten to that yet, but uh, I would love to hear what an official Scholastic production of what a taxon sounds like would sound like. So if anyone has that and wants to send that to me, I would love to hear that. I'd also love to just hear your own take on what a taxon sounds like, uh, if anyone's interested in sharing that with me. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. And then we have one more message, uh, actually a review. This comes in from uh, Heaven Warrior on Apple Podcasts, uh, titled, A Dream Come True. Hi, Daniel. Just wanted to say how grateful I am for all the work you put into this. I got into Animorphs around 2010. Back then, I was 13 years old, and my only wish was that it would be in audio, it would be in audio so I could enjoy it even more. I do wonder, though, what made you do this, and what keeps you motivated through all these years? I'm sure it can't always be easy, and it's probably a very consuming part of your life. By the way, Time of Dinosaurs has been my favorite of the narrations really shows all the growth, and the music's on point. Happy reading! Thank you so much, Heaven Warrior. Uh, that is a great review. Thank you so much. Uh, as, as to your questions, um, kind of the timeline of this project uh, was back in... I started this in 2017, so I think it would probably would have been around 2014 or 15. Um, I'm not really sure what prompted me, but I decided uh, to see if I could dig up um, some EPUBs of animorphs and and reread it as an adult um it was uh my memory of it was not great from from when i read it as a kid i'm not even sure i hit every book i hit a majority of the books uh you know i mostly remembered you know like the weird oatmeal book and stuff like that uh i owned the hork Pajir chronicles and i liked that well enough but you know a lot of the war stuff had kind of flown over my head as a kid and i didn't really remember much of the series i remembered liking it um, and so I don't, I don't, maybe I was feeling nostalgic, but I looked it up, um, got those EPUBs, uh, read it through, which is really fun as an adult because it t- took me about two hours per book. It was like popcorn, um, just a great way to close out my night. Uh, and I was really blown away by, uh, how much better plotted and written this series was than I remembered. Um, and how much it was willing to really delve into some like pretty dark stuff, um, but in a way that wasn't gratuitous and like grim dark in a way that a lot of things that try to be uh quote unquote you know adult or gritty uh end up doing um and I became uh, a fan of the series all over again I said this is this is a really really cool series and then uh two years later i don't I don't really know what was going on um I think I was just bored I think I was looking for a project to do, and you know people my whole life well ever since puberty have said uh that I have a really nice voice, and they could see me in radio or singing, and I can't carry a tune, and I'm not on the radio. So uh, I thought, what's the next best thing? I had gotten to podcasts uh, probably a couple years before. Um, actually, maybe just a year before, really. It might have been in 2015. I don't know. Time's a blank canvas for me. I can't remember anything past last week, but... Um, I was like, you know, I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time, um, and kind of wanted to do a podcast, didn't really want to like have to bug one of my friends and come up with a concept and like, you know, coordinate all of that. So I was like, what if I just read something? What should I read? Oh, well, you know, Animorphs are pretty thin books. I could probably do that pretty easy. Uh, and I checked and there weren't any Animorphs audiobooks out at the time. There was, um... One other project, I think, that was trying to do it, but they were trying to do it with, like, 
six different people to voice each character and um it took them you know like a year to do a book because of all that coordination um so you know there's you know like three chapters of the invasion out and i was like well you know that's not competition i can do this uh and so i started and then um i just sort of kept going and then somewhere uh probably around book two i i realized i had a lot of fun doing this and i should keep doing it and you know spend a bunch of money upgrading stuff because thank god I, I got a better job than uh where, where i was a few years ago and could afford all this and uh but here, here we are um and now it's just part of my routine um it's just a cool way to spend parts of my evening and it's not as much work as you'd think i spend maybe i try to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh between sunday and uh thursday editing then i take friday and saturday off and don't touch this podcast at all um and yeah so it's it's just a cool little segment um of of my night every week and uh i don't know i'm fulfilled doing it uh, i'm i'm really proud that i've stuck with it and i've gotten so many out and i'm gonna continue doing it uh since then you know a lot of other people have come up with the same idea <laughs> um but listen i got here first and i have more than them and that's how you win i might not have the best quality uh, i'd like to think i have pretty good quality at this point but listen the important thing is i have more than everyone else <laughs> um thank you for giving me that review heaven warrior thank you for letting me indulge in talking about my process like i'm some sort of artist anyway if you'd like to write a review the way Heaven Warrior did, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, I guess. I have no idea how that works. Just, you know, if you know, you know. Uh, you can also tell a friend. I won't get to hear about that, but, you know, let people know if they if you think they'd be interested. If you'd like to write in as um, Ubik did, you can do that on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, or through Gmail, audiomorphscast, excuse me, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, or you can do it through my website. It has a... Uh, I I don't know what to call it. It's an email field or something, you know. It's like a form you can fill out, and that gets sent to my email. Um, that website is theapocalypse.com, of course, which is uh like apocalypse but with a D in the middle. It's a pun. Um, that also has all my other um, basically at this point on hiatus creative ideas uh that I sometimes go through um. Tragically, my only other current one, which is um, Into the Rewatch podcast, it's my rewatch podcast with my friend Jesse, he's on a temporary hiatus, um, ran into some technical issues with that we're trying to get resolved, but we will be back. Uh, we're on season three of Riverdale right now, which is the best season, um, and I'm excited about it, so there you go. I believe that's everything I got, and so um, once again, next week we'll be finishing it out. It's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, the end chapters, K, Applegate, tends to sort of um, make those pretty brief, but we'll see. Uh, so apologies in advance if it's a shorter episode, but, you know, that's sometimes how it breaks down. All right. I've talked for long enough. I got to go cook dinner. Uh, I got things to do. So thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.